Welcome aboard the Sonic 7546 Time Machine. It is now time to explore with the Nomads of Time. Greetings, fellow nomads, and welcome to the Nomads of Time. I'm your host, Jared, and this is my co-host, Zashin. We, the Nomads of Time, are travelers through time, and we give our audiences a brief and detailed summary of important events in history. Today, we are doing a deep dive on the happenings of World War I, so let's get started. But first, a word from our sponsor. Writing is hard, spelling errors, grammar mistakes, you name it, there are just too many things to track. That's why our podcast is sponsored by Checkers. Checkers is a software that analyzes your text and enhances your writing. With Checkers, you can write seamlessly, anytime, anywhere. Get Checkers on your device via the App Store, Play Store, or the Huawei App Gallery, or you can download the browser extension Checkers Browser Support. If you sign on to the Checkers Browser Support website now using checkers/timenomads.com, you can get a 20% discount when purchasing the premium or platinum note. Remember, it is checkers/timenomads.com. Now on with the show. The Great War, later renamed World War One, started because the countries of Europe formed themselves into two big gangs, like street gangs, in 1914. One of the gangs, known as the Central Powers, was run by the Germans. And the other one, that we now call Allies, was led by the French and British. However, all of the leaders were related. And as you all know, it is always the scruffy little kids that start a fight. In this case, this scruffy little country was Bosnia, which was in the Allies' gang. The Central Powers Emperor of Austria, Hungary, wanted Bosnia to join them. However, Bosnia had plans. The Serbian gang, known as the Black Hand waited till the emperor's nephew arrived in Bosnia and then threw the stone. Gavrilo Princip was a Serbian black hand freedom fighter who led the assault. He had six other henchmen to assist him. Franz Ferdinand was the emperor of Austria's nephew. He was due to drive through Sarajevo, and Gavrilo Princip's henchmen were armed to the teeth with guns and weapons along strategic parts of the route. However, his first henchman failed. He did not do anything at all. The second henchman, Gavrinovics, nearly succeeded. He threw a bomb into Ferdinand's car, but Ferdinand threw it out of his car and blew up a following car, injuring eight innocent people. To avoid capture, Gavrinovics swallowed poison and threw himself into a river. However, the crowd saved him and then nearly beat him to death. Ferdinand went to the town hall to make a speech. He was in reach of four of Gavrilo Princip's henchmen, and they... Wait, what did they do again? Huh? Oh, yeah, uh, nothing. Ah, yes! To assassinate Ferdinand, they did nothing. Way to go, guys. Just too good. Then Ferdinand headed to the hospital to visit the bomb victims. Ironic, right? However, to the luck of Gavrilo Princip, the driver made a wrong turn, leading them straight to their deaths. Gavrilo jumped into the open car and fired two shots, killing both Ferdinand and his wife. Franz Ferdinand's uncle, Emperor of Austria, wanted revenge on all of Serbia's allies. He wanted war. Thus, the first stone had been thrown. Austria declared war on Serbia, then Germany helped Austria, so Russia helped Serbia, so France helped Russia, Germany marched through Belgium to get to France, so Britain helped Belgium. However, before we dive further into the gruesome details of the war, it is time to play our weekly quiz. Here are two quick questions. Number one, what happened to Franz Ferdinand's blood-soaked jacket after his death? Was it... A. Taken into battle like a flag for the Austrians to follow B. Buried with Ferdinand Or C. 
put in a museum so gruesome people can go and gaze at it. Seven seconds to pick your answer. The answer is C, put in a museum. Please reflect that Franz Ferdinand's death was the start of World War I and is now displayed in a museum as a reminder of the terrible event. Why would anybody want to be reminded of that? It is now on display in the Austrian Historical Museum in Vienna. Go and see it if you like that sort of thing. And question 2. What happened to the assassin, Gavrilo Princip? Was he A. Shot by the police as he ran away? B. Arrested and put in prison? Or did he C. Escape and live happily ever after? 7 seconds. Well, see, he was taken alive. The two shots from Gavrilo Princip took the lives of millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people. Woo, that was a lot. Yet he lived. Just as the first World War was about to end, Gavrilo died in prison due to lung disease. This shows how bad the environment was in the prison where Gavrilo was held in. Before we continue, do remember to email your answers to us. Special prizes await. Details will be at the end of the podcast. Now let's go back to our horrendous episode of World War I. For the next two minutes or so, we will be talking about the 1914 timeline. On the 4th of August 1914, after the death of Ferdinand, the German army marched through Belgium to attack France. So our favourite country, Britain, joined the war to help poor Belgium. Meanwhile, in the east of 23rd August, the Germans defeated the Russians. It's round one to Germany. The Battle of Marne was a battle that lasted from the 5th to the 10th of September 1914. It was fought between France and Germany, in the east of Paris. In the end, the French won, round 2 to France. Millions of people joined the armies in October, believing the war would end before Christmas. Amazingly, it did end before Christmas, in 1918. The 22nd of November 1914 found the Allies and the Central Powers battered to a standstill by each other in northern France. They dig trenches opposite one another and won't move much from them for about four years. On Christmas Day, that's 25th December by the way, enemies stop fighting for a day or two and even play friendly football matches. It couldn't last and it wouldn't be repeated. How did they understand each other's languages though? You can give us your opinion when we give you the details of our email. Fun fact, the first war the Brits fought was in their own country, London. Peace marchers clashed with Londoners who wanted war. The First World War was the first war to see an aircraft to be used. They would fly over the enemy army and photograph their positions or bomb them. Then, the anti-regiment fighters were sent to shoot down these spy planes. The people of London had hopes of having a quiet Christmas, but it was crushed when two German planes flew up the Thames. Crowds gathered in the streets to watch as the two gallant airmen from the Royal Flying Corps of London chased the intruders at speeds of up to 70 miles an hour. That's insane! Indeed it is. The funny thing is, the use of guns was a deadly development of war in the air. So in the early days, they would gather a supply of bricks and throw it onto the enemy. Amazing! To think that builders have weapons in their hands right now! Uh, anyways, due to another incident about the German planes installing steel darts that would rain down from the sky, attacking the British and splitting their heads in half. London had to dim the lights in case the enemy aircraft decided to pay a visit once more. But as time went on, they finally added machine guns to their aircrafts. Since they weren't as smart back then, they had to create a timer for when the guns would shoot through the gaps of the propellers. If not, they would shatter, ultimately leading to a very smashed up aircraft. Quiz time again. 
The first machine guns were made to fire at the propellers of the enemy planes. If you were an allied inventor, what simple solution could you come up with? Hmm. Well, in the war, the propellers were covered with sheets of steel. If a machine gun bullet happened to hit the propeller, it would bounce off. It was a fantastic idea, and it worked. For a month or two, the German airmen were terrified and puzzled by the Allied fighter planes. Finally, they captured one, saw how it was done, and copied it. Here's the catch. There was absolutely no way of telling where the bullet would bounce off to if it hit the propeller. It might even smash into the pilot's own engine or head if he was unlucky. Well, that is one of the answers, yes, but let us know your answers by emailing us at not at gmail.com, that is n-o-t-alliance-g-m-a-i-l dot c-o-m. Here's another fact. In the Second World War, that is from 1939 to 1945, there were sirens to warn people of any sudden air raids. But when air raids became common in the First World War, many defence chiefs in Britain sent out a letter saying, it has been decided that no warning of air raids will be given as it is thought this may do more harm than good. So, you could be walking up to school and the first thing you know about the air raid is when you wake up dead. That is absolutely brutal, but true. Alright then, I think that should be the end of today's episode. What do you think, my loyal co-host, Zasun? <coughs> first of all, it's Jashin, not Zasun. Well, we covered the first year and the start of World War One, which is a lot in a way. But yes, I think we can end it off here. Okay then, I'd like to thank our audiences for listening to this episode of our podcast, The Nomads of Time, where we go back in time and study the dark secrets of past events that happened years ago. Wait, wait, before you go, we've got some huge news about our next episode. We have some huge projects to talk about in the next episode, and you are going to be part of it. So be sure to set a reminder and tune in when the next episode releases. As always, thank you for listening and have a good day or afternoon, or evening, or night, wherever you are. Over and out. 1915. A new year, a new problem. Are armoured vehicles actually armoured? Will sound pulses really help in locating the enemy? Most importantly, will air pollution be the end of it all? Stay tuned to find out, together with the Nomads of Time. <laughs>